to your class. Let's get into the Word of the Lord today, Matthew chapter 3. If you have your Bible, I'm going to read one verse and talk to you a little bit today about the importance of this day that we are celebrating. Matthew chapter 3, verse number 11. John, of course, is speaking here, and he says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he that is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Amen. By the help of the Lord this morning, I'm going to preach. Keep the fire burning. God, help us this morning to speak what you have laid upon my heart today. Lord, let my words not fall flat today, but fall upon fertile soil that will reap a harvest of worship to you. In Jesus' name, God bless you. You may be seated this morning. My wife has already mentioned today is Pentecost Sunday. And that uh, when she mentioned it earlier, the room just kind of remained silent. And um, perhaps it is the lack of uh, understanding of the significance of this day uh, for each of us. We love to celebrate our apostolic heritage and uh, the Pentecostal experience, but Sometimes we misunderstand the importance of this day, whether this was actually the day uh, that the Holy Ghost fell uh, on, the, on the day of Pentecost, whether this was the day that the Holy Ghost fell uh, in the upper room. We, we don't have the ability to be able to completely understand or know. So a day has been chosen, and here is how it is chosen. Um, Easter, of course, uh, falls at Passover, and uh, that's why Easter is not consistent in the calendar. Uh, if you wonder why it moves uh, around from year to year, sometimes we call it an early Easter or a late Easter. It falls according to uh, the, uh, the lunar calendar, and it is about the stage of, of the moon. And it is what dictated uh, the, the seasons. It dictates the seasons. And uh, the seasons, of course, uh, depended on when the harvest could be planted and when the harvest could be reaped. And uh, all of this, of course, in uh, 2,000 years ago, if we go back to Bible times, uh, it also was the time of the celebrating of the Passover. This was, uh, of course, um, there's significance of Passover because the same season of Passover uh, as the Passover lamb came and the blood had to be applied to the doorpost uh, came uh, is, is extremely significant to our New Testament experience because we understand that without the blood being applied to our lives, that uh, there is no salvation. So the blood of Jesus is applied to our life. And 
so this Pentecost Sunday, I don't want to get too sidetracked here, this Pentecost Sunday is extremely important because it was uh, on Pentecost, at the season of Pentecost, which falls uh, 50 days after Easter. And so 50 days after Easter are uh, a week of weeks. Uh, so therefore, it is also referred to as uh, the Feast of Weeks because it is a week seven, uh, seven weeks after, uh, after Easter. So a week of weeks. And Pentecost, of course, represents the 50th. And uh, if we go to the calendar, I don't want to bore you with the details of of, of, of all of this, but this is very important because when the day of Pentecost was fully come, everybody say fully come, <coughs> that is when the experience in the upper room happened. That is when the Holy Ghost fell. That's when the Holy Ghost was poured out in the upper room. And so today we still celebrate Pentecost Sunday, 50 days after Easter. And in fact, if you want to understand the significance, if it can make it as carnal as possible for you this morning, uh, this is really the birthday of the church. Now, four weeks ago, we, uh, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, uh, actually, uh, maybe five weeks ago, we crossed the actual uh, birthday of the establishment of Christian Life Church in 1965 uh, on April. I believe it's April 25th, I believe was the actual Sunday of 1965 that this church actually met for its first time. And it was actually uh, its first meeting that happened. My wife talked Wednesday night, by the way. If you missed Wednesday night, I recommend that you go to somebody in the sound booth and tell them, I need a copy or I need a link. I need to know how to hear what she talked about. She spent about 10 minutes talking about the history of this church and the history of the church. And uh, there is a difference between the history of this church and the history of the church. And so she spent some time talking about the history and, uh, of course, she began to talk about uh, where we are today and spoke very powerfully to us on Wednesday night. And, as a matter of fact, it was so good. I told her uh, I, took, I had to take the speaker out to eat after service. And uh, so I took her out to eat, and, uh, and I told her as we were sitting, uh, took her to that fine establishment out there on the east side of town called Applebee's. And uh, anybody ever been there? Uh, so I took her out there and I told her, I said, the only thing I wish was that you would have spoke that on a Sunday night when everybody was here and all the teachers were in and everybody could have heard what you spoke on a Sunday night. And, uh, but I, I appreciate that and I do recommend that you get a copy of that and listen to it. Be prepared. I think I cried halfway through it. You know what that means. Everybody else is shouting and I'm crying. Uh, but it was powerful and she talked a little bit about the foundation of this church. So 
we have kind of traditionally because of the pastoral anniversary and the church anniversary being very close together, we had kind of put those together and uh, had kind of started celebrating that on Memorial Weekend. And of course, graduation kind of engulfed that uh, for my family this year and for many of you in the church. And, um, and so we kind of skipped over it. But uh, from 1965 to, to, to now, which I believe is 50, uh, what's that, 52 years, am I counting correctly, uh, 52, 53 years of establishment of this local assembly. And the reason we celebrate an anniversary service is because it's significant. We would like to talk a little bit about where we came from and where we started, to think about that this assembly started in a house on Kelly Road and a Sunday school class under a big oak tree out in the yard or on the front porch, that we have grown from there to where we are today. And uh, that's the blessings in the hand of the Lord. And so it is important for us this morning to talk about the birthday of the church. That's what Pentecost really is. The church is not a man-made organization. But the church was established on the day of Pentecost in a prayer meeting. And the Holy Ghost fell. And I believe that any church that is worth its salt ought to go back to the day of Pentecost for its foundation. Because if you want to start your foundation with John Wesley, you done missed a few years. And if you want to start it with some new revelation, you've missed it a few years. Our church has its foundation all the way back on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was fully come. I want to have my reference point not in a book that somebody has written, but in the book. I want, I want to find my foundation in the Word of God. And I want to go back there. So Acts chapter 2 starts out when the day of Pentecost was fully come, meaning that the feast had come to its fullness. So they celebrate that on seven uh, times, or, or seven times seven, 49, and then the fullness of it comes on the 50th day. And that was to fall, of course, as we celebrated on Sunday. So it falls on Pentecost Sunday. 50 days after the Passover, 50 days after Easter. So to put a time on that description now, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, let me bear with me a minute to get, give you a little bit more uh, factual information for your brain to compute and put together that hopefully will end a little more powerfully than what I have started today. But uh, to put a time description on that, the fullness of time on the 50th day at the beginning of the Passover, uh, at, the, at the end of the Passover and the fullness on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, meaning it came in to its fullness. The Jewish day began at 6 a.m. And so it's about 6 a.m. when the Jewish day began. So about 6 o'clock in the morning, Peter, 
then was stated to begin to preach his message. Remember the message Peter preached in Acts chapter 2 when they came to him. So uh, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, about 6 a.m., they were gathered in the upper room. They were in one place, in one mind, and in one accord at 6 o'clock in the morning. Most of us are not in one place, but we are in one accord. So about 6 o'clock in the morning, when the Jewish day begins, the day of Pentecost uh, began. And that is when there came a sound from heaven in Acts chapter 2. As of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it set upon each of them, and they were all, everybody say all, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. I want you to understand it wasn't something they learned. It wasn't something somebody taught them. It was a God utterance. It was tongues that they could not speak, but it was other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. It was the beginning, about 6 o'clock on the day of Pentecost in the morning. And so the Bible says that they, they, it was noised abroad, and so it caught uh, the attention of the city. And so people from the city began to gather and began to ask questions about what had been going on in the upper room since about 6 o'clock in the morning. The Bible said that Peter started preaching about the third hour of the day. That is about 9 o'clock in the morning. Now I want you to bear with me now to understand that from 6 o'clock in the morning until 9 o'clock in the morning there was a prayer meeting going on and people were being filled with the Holy Ghost. Peter began to preach about 9 o'clock in the morning and he began to tell them, Men and brethren, these are not drunk as ye suppose. Seeing it is, a, it is but the third hour. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. Then nobody drunk yet. Ain't nobody been drinking this morning. These men are not drunk as ye suppose. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel that in the last days saith God I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions and upon my servants and upon the handmaidens I will pour out of my spirit the Bible said when they heard the words that Peter spoke that they were pricked in their heart and they said men and brethren what must I do what must we do Peter standing up with the eleven begins to announce to them repent and be baptized 
every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins and you too can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for this promise that is being poured out from 6 o'clock until 9 o'clock this promise is to you and it is to your children and it is to all them that are far off it is to the Jew it is to the Gentile it is to every nation it is to every creature and that promise belongs to you as many as the Lord our God shall call so there was about three hours of Holy Ghost prayer and worship and praise going on. But now back up. It didn't happen in a three hour prayer meeting. They didn't show up at six o'clock in the morning. But about, about a week or ten days prior. Jesus has, has ascended upon high. And he tells them. Go gather in the upper room in the city of Jerusalem. And you will be endued with power from on high. Jesus tells them to go and gather. There was about 120 gathered there in the upper room. And in the upper room, of course, they prayed and talked to God and sought God. And, of course, they tarried for the Holy Ghost to be poured out. Now, if you can imagine a prayer meeting that lasted that long and 120 stayed, that was a miracle of its own right. It was a miracle in of itself that people had gathered together and they had stayed together until the Holy Ghost had, had been poured out. The fact that they had gathered there in one place and they had gathered there in one accord, meaning that their mindset, their thoughts, their heart, their feelings, their passion, there was nothing dividing them. There was nothing separating them. There was nothing agitating and aggravating them about their brother or their sister they had pulled everything together they had come together in unity and in agreement and that's when the Holy Ghost fell I wonder how many of you in this room along with myself I preached this morning how many of us could come together and say I could come together to have an Acts chapter 2 experience and I could put everything on hold for a week and I could just come together in prayer and supplication and seeking the face of God most of us couldn't and most of us wouldn't even if jobs and life would allow it most of us wouldn't do it even if we could do it. We can hardly tarry for a week uh, uh, of, of praying uh, at our own leisurely time. We can hardly pray for an hour uh, when, we're, when, when prayer is called. We can hardly muster the courage to come together for an hour, much, much less pray for the entire hour. We can hardly get through an hour. Some of us can hardly get through a few minutes until we feel like, well, I am running out of something to say because we're wanting to pray in some eloquent terms and we're wanting our brothers and sisters to hear how great we pray and how well spoken we are. But can I come to you this morning and remind you that what you say is not nearly important as that you pray. 
It's not within enticing words of man's wisdom. It's not, it's not, it is, it, what, what we must do is get, lay aside all of the hindrances that we have learned over the years by hearing an elder or a grandfather or a, a parent that knows how to pray and listening to them pray and trying to emulate them in prayer. There's nothing wrong with that. But if you don't catch it, you see, you can't be taught to pray. You ha- it can be caught, prayer can be caught, but it really can't be taught. We can teach on prayer and we can call people to prayer. If this is nothing new that I'm bringing to you this morning, but we have to catch it. It has to be something in us that, that speaks to us and says, yes, I've got to, I've got to have this. I, I, I'm going to, and we catch it somehow and some way. See, when Jesus was feeding the 5,000, they were all there, 5,000 of them. But when it was go to a prayer meeting and stay for a week, there was only 120. Not much has changed. That's why folks can come to a Sunday service and the power of the Holy Ghost can be, pre- can be present. And God can be moving and touching hearts and changing lives. And while some people leave saying, wow, how blessed I am, somebody else walks out and they're like, man, it's time for lunch. It's real hard to get people in one accord. It's real hard to get everybody to come together and truly get their mind on God and and seeking the face and will of God. It's no wonder that Pentecost happened when 120 people gathered together and prayed together until the Holy Ghost fell. Pastor, how long are you going to call us to prayer and fasting? Just as long as it takes. Pastor, how long are you going to hammer on prayer until we get prayer figured out? And I talked to one 70-year-old elder not too long ago, and he looked at me and he said, prayer is something you're going to always be struggling with. Because prayer goes against the nature of humanity. We question our own prayer. That's why people flock to religions that can pay money for somebody else to do their praying. That's right. That's why people would look to Moses and say, we don't want to climb up the mountain. Ain't nobody going to help the preacher this morning. We don't want to climb up the mountain. You go ahead and climb up the mountain and you do the praying for us and you come back down the mountain and you look at us and you tell us what God is saying. And Moses said, but God told me to stop climbing up the mountain for you, but to come down and tell you, you got to climb up the mountain for yourself. You got to get up the mountain and you got to hear from God all by yourself. Come on, CLC. I'll climb up the mountain with you, but I can't climb up the mountain for you. Somebody's got to get prayer in their spirit somebody's got to get prayer down in their bones that says I need a touch from God more than I need anything else oh somebody give the Lord a shout of praise this morning I came in Monday morning on Memorial Day holiday after Sunday night called prayer this week didn't expect anybody to come. Called prayer this week from 7 to 8 o'clock. Walked in the door 
couple minutes before seven, cars were already in the parking lot. My spirit broke inside me. I walked in the doors and already had tears in my eyes. I stepped through the door. I saw Sister Ashley. Don't want to embarrass them nor pin accolades on them because I mentioned I was not keeping score and I'm not, but this is an illustration that I felt I needed to bring. I walked in the door and there stood Sister Ashley. And I could see tiredness all over her. Not that she wasn't looking good. But I could see she was tired. And around the corner come Mo, and his hair's all messed up. He had bed head. She's holding that little baby. And Charlie's over there staggering through the foyer. And I said, oh, Sister Ashley, I did not call prayer today to force anyone out of bed to drag their kids out of bed to bring them here at 7 o'clock on a Monday morning after a late Sunday night and a hard Sunday. Please, please, please get your rest and don't get those babies up and bring them to the house of the Lord. This week I saw Danny and Cheryl bring their babies here early in the morning. My wife posted some pictures. The Embrys were their kids sleeping on the back row, but they were here faithfully. Every morning, 7 o'clock, seeking the face of God. I said, Sister Ashley, please don't feel compelled to come and get those kids up and drag them out of the house and get them here. This is why I often don't even mention prayer time to the church because people such as you will go through such extreme sacrifices to be faithful and to be here. And I don't want you doing that. And she said, oh, pastor, it's okay. You don't understand how desperate we are. When people get desperate, Seven-day prayer revival starts looking pretty good. When people get desperate, a three-hour worship service sounds pretty good. When people get desperate enough, the things of the world begin to fade out. And the thing that becomes more important than anything else is that I can get in the presence of God. I need to feel the fire of the Holy Ghost burning in my soul. I need it burning. I need it hot. I need it doing something that the world cannot do in my spirit. Three hours of prayer, speaking in other tongues. It's a Bible thing, you know. Well, I ought to got an amen out of that. Prayer and worship and praise and speaking with other tongues. People who get nervous in that kind of environment are going to be nervous in heaven. I don't know if you understand this or not, but you may not like it, but I'm just going to tell you, you might want to decide if you want to change destinations because in heaven, we're all going to speak one language. 
I got a feeling it's not going to be English. It's not going to be Spanish. It's not going to be Japanese. But when we get to heaven, we're going to speak a heavenly language. It's a language that you maybe didn't learn and I maybe didn't learn. But when we get to heaven, we're going to speak one language. It may be attached to the language that we speak here when we speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. If that messes with some of your theology, you better get it straight. But when we get to heaven, it's not going to be the way you think it ought to be. It's not going to be according to your culture. It's going to be the culture of heaven. The language of heaven. It's going to be about Him. It's not going to be about me and what I like. Oh, somebody give the Lord a shout of praise. Their response in the upper room drew a crowd. And what started out in an upstairs room poured out into the streets. That's what revival That's what revival always does. I'm hungry for that kind of revival. My wife spoke about it on Wednesday night. I want to see it. That pours out of the prayer room. And pours into the streets. And it was noised abroad, the Bible said. Their worship lasted three hours before they ever got to the preaching. Ladies seminar that I attended said our worship service preaching front to back start to finish needs to last no longer than one hour and six minutes. It's the attention span of society. I've been doing my best to try to preach shorter to please some of you. But I got a feeling that you'd have given up on the day of Pentecost. You'd already been getting your bags together and easing on out to lunch. We start at 10.30 by 1.30. You sure want to go home. You sure don't want to just be getting the preacher on the floor at 1.30. I'm not suggesting that the power is all in how long our service is. We try to give you multiple opportunities to church. Matter of fact, if you want some more church today, you can go to Lebanon at 2 o'clock. You can go to Lafayette at 2 o'clock. You can be back here at 6 o'clock. You can be here at 7 o'clock on Wednesday. We try to give you many opportunities to be able to be in the house of the Lord and get all of Jesus that you want. We we don't want people to have an excuse. When I stand before the Lord on Judgment Day, I don't want Him to say, oh, you canceled all your services. I want Him to say, well done. I don't want anybody to look and say, if I'd have had another opportunity, it didn't work around my work schedule. I've tried to give you enough opportunities to get here, but I am going to tell you that when we come into church going, okay, start now. You got one hour and six minutes. You better sing it right, and you better preach it right, and you aren't going to move me if you don't do it the way I think it ought to be done. I'm scoring you right now. When we come in with that kind of mentality, we just move the Holy Ghost right on out the door. I grew up in an old-fashioned Pentecostal church. 
in the middle of nowhere in southeast Texas. And I'm going to tell you about a man named Leon. Leon was the, he was the roughest man in the county. He was known everywhere. He was a rough, tough, rumble dude. Nobody messed with Leon. He was the boss on the pipeline project because he was tough. And if anybody messed with him, he took care of business in the bar room. He came to church. His wife was faithful. He brought his kids to church. He came to church every now and then. He was a CEO at church, Christmas and Easter only. And he showed up at those special services. And he, we had a revival one night. And he came and sat on the back. He said, I got up to walk out and I turned the wrong direction. And Leon came to the front of the room that night and began to pray. And he was standing there all, all stoic. And they told him to lift his hands. And he lifted his hands, but he just kind of stood there stoic. And they were praying with him. And the saints of God was praying with him. And they prayed with him from about 9 o'clock to about midnight. I was a little guy about this tall. I checked in and out several times. Here's the catch. We lived an hour and 15 minutes away from the church because dad pastored in a little rural community and we lived an hour and 15 minutes from that rural community to where we lived and then dad drove another hour south to the place of employment because the church couldn't afford to be able to sustain the family and so to do the work of the Lord my dad drove there and so we kids too were all in cooperation so if church got out at midnight we got home about 1.30 in the morning and then we got up and went to school on Monday and mom had a rule in the house she called us one time and turned the light on if we were late it was our fault our problem and we dealt with the consequences so this night was one of those nights I'm over there thinking come on Leon do what you're going to do, man. I need to go home. And he's up praying. And it was about midnight after about three hours of being in the altar. Most of us would have checked out and gone home. If I remember correctly, about half of those had checked out and gone home. But about half the congregation was there because they were shocked that God had moved on Leon's heart. After about three hours, Leon turned around and he took off running to the back door. I thought he was running out the door. He slid to a stop at the back door. Never seen anything out of Leon like this. He turned around and headed back up the front door. He turned two flips, head over heels, coming and slid into the platform. And when he slid against the platform... All anybody in the house could hear because you could have heard a pin drop other than that. He said, well, there went my pride. He threw his hands in the air and the Holy Ghost fell on that man and he began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave him utterance. I come this morning to tell you that if you want the Holy Ghost, it's for you. You can't put a timetable on it. You can't put a clock on it. Church can't decide when it's going to happen. But when you get ready at the fullness of time, when it the fullness of time is coming, it will happen I gotta tell you this morning there ain't nobody keeping you from the Holy Ghost other than you come on somebody give the Lord a shout of praise come on give him praise this morning it's just a little water it ain't gonna hurt anything
Well, what I came this morning to tell you is that the church began with cloven tongues like as a fire that set upon each of them. And the fire has always been the mark of the true church. A church without fire is nothing but just a social gathering. But give me a church that is on fire with the Holy Ghost, with the anointing, that doesn't care what somebody thinks. I don't want a dead, dry church. If you're looking for a dead, dry church, there's plenty others you can find. But if you want a red, hot, Holy Ghost power, fire-burning church, it's up to you to create that environment. Begin to worship. Begin to praise. Begin to magnify Him. Begin to exalt Him. You want a day of Pentecost? All you got to do is start worshiping. You start praising. And before long, there will come a sound from heaven into your life that will begin to fill you to overflowing. If you're here this morning and you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, I dare you to step out of the norm, step out of your pride, and throw your hands in the air and say, It doesn't matter if I gotta clap out loud, if I gotta shout out loud, if I gotta walk around the room, if I gotta leap for joy, whatever I gotta do, I want that Holy Ghost fire burning in my life. Come on, church, create that environment right now. Create that environment right now. Come on, the Holy Ghost is here for you today. Anybody want to be bold enough to say, I'll push through the crowd. I'll get beyond. I want to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost today. Come on, somebody let the fire burn afresh and anew. I wish that soul would catch on fire, catch on fire, catch on fire. I wish somebody's soul would catch on fire, burn with the Holy Now here's what we're going to do. And I'm going to give you a real, real story here. Thursday morning at early morning prayer, I was so tired that I tried to close my eyes and pray and felt myself falling asleep. I had to open my eyes and walk around so I could stay awake for prayer. You ever been there? Thank you. Ten honest people in the room. <laughs> but the reason that we close our eyes is to try to cut everything else out. The reason I tell people, why don't you close your eyes? We want everybody else, all distractions cut out. Forget anybody else's around you. If you would do this this morning for me, just for me, you see what happens in your life. If everybody in the room would just close your eyes and cut everybody else in the room out, quit worrying about anybody else and say, I'm going to worship God the way I feel in my heart. I ain't nobody looking at me. Ain't nobody listening to me. 
The music's loud enough. Ain't nobody hearing you. Nobody but God's hearing you. Nobody's seeing you. Go ahead now. I want you to start worshiping God like nobody's watching. I want you to start praising Him like nobody's hearing you. Just you and God right now. Let your soul catch on fire. Holy Ghost fire burning in your heart today. I dare you to push through. Come on, it's here for you this morning. Hey. Oh, I wish somebody's soul would burn in with the Holy Ghost. Hey. Oh, I wish somebody's soul would burn in with the Holy Ghost. Well, I wish somebody's soul would catch on fire, catch on fire, catch on fire. Well, I wish somebody's soul would catch on fire, burning with the Holy Ghost. Oh, catch on fire, catch on fire, catch on fire. Somebody's soul would catch on fire, burning with the Holy Ghost. Say, somebody's soul would catch on fire, catch on fire. Come on now, if this is the birthday of the church, why don't we just have a birthday party for a few minutes? Let's just have a birthday party for the church. Why don't you just worship God with everything you have within you and let him know, God, I thank you for the church. I'm glad for the day the church was born. I want to be in the church. I want to be part of the church. Come on, let's just have a Holy Ghost birthday party for the church here for a little bit today. I wish somebody so would catch on fire, catch on fire. Catch on fire, with some bad soul and 